Hey guys, Brian Jodas here with Pick Up the Six Podcast. I have a new sponsor to tell you about today. We're thrilled to introduce you to Amino Vital. Amino Vital's mission is to provide the highest quality of amino acid-based nutritional products to all athletes aspiring to improve their conditioning and performance. The BCAAs, glutamine, and arginine help replenish the body's muscles proteins and it gets you a jump start on the recovery process. I've been using Amino Vital since last fall, got introduced to them, and I definitely see a positive impact from their action and recovery products. It helps me get rid of some of those, you know, aches and pains after a tough workout. So hit up amino-vital.com, use the code PUT and the number 6, PUT6 at checkout to save 20% just like that or click the link here on the show page and use that code to save some cash today. As they were marching out, they came upon a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. This man they compelled to carry his cross. That is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. I'm Brian Jodis, and this is Pick Up the Six podcast. And today we bring you in for the first of a two-part series as we unpack the story of Simon of Cyrene, a man who in a moment's notice was thrust into helping another man who had been beaten and was on the path to his eventual death. This is Holy Thursday today in the Christian faith, and we're leaning in with Father James Hamill, a family friend, Catholic priest, and colonel in the United States Air Force. This is a powerful story about picking up the six, and I hope you enjoy it. Father Hamill, this is a blessing, uh, and it is with gratitude I welcome you to pick up the Six Podcast. How are you? Good to see you, Brian. Good. I'm so excited to do this and what we're starting as a two-part series here on these days with real intentionality. And our listeners know that uh, we share stories about picking up the Six, and in doing so, I wear my faith on my sleeve when we do that. And was having just real prayer, prayerful thought. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've wanted to do this one for a while and, and, and God made it happen. The stars aligned, God interceded and we, and we're doing it in the way in which we're going to do a two part series. We're going to talk to you today about the biblical text, the meaning behind that story of Simon. And then tomorrow we're going to introduce you guys to Rob Renzi and Dom Rosso who Rob, a, a dear friend, his brother, Ronnie, one of my best friends. Uh, but I've known him for a long time, and Rob is an actor who is portraying the role of Jesus Christ in an upcoming film about Eucharistic miracles. And he mm. called on his friend Dom in a moment's <clears throat> notice. The irony of it is incredible. They were in need. They are getting ready to film this scene, right? They're filming all this live action about Jesus' last moments. And they have a Simon, and... He has to bail and they have to call on this guy, Dom Rosso, to come help out. So we're going to share that entire story with you tomorrow. You and I will talk more about it. But I thought, what what better way to kick it off than with a family friend, a priest who has known my father for years. Uh, we've sat together at the table um, and to have you come on. He's a Jersey guy, too, and, and Father James Hamill. So I'm, I'm just thrilled. I'm thrilled to do it. That was I talked way too much. I'm sorry, but I just, I'm so excited to do this today. Good, good. Well, Let's here's what Let's get into it. Before we talk about this incredibly pivotal story, and look, it, it's a moment in a much larger story, but for what we do here, men and women who have gone above and beyond to pick up the six through service, purpose, and impact. Well, that guy, this guy that we don't know much about sort of checks all the, those boxes. But you heard me say in the intro, family friend, Catholic priest, colonel in the United States Air Force. So a Catholic priest chaplain. So how's that happen, James Hamill from New Jersey? Well, um, <clears throat> thanks, Brian. Sure. Uh, I've been a parish priest in uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, where your dad and yeah. mom are from, uh, and was a parish priest for eight years um, in North Jersey. And just something inside of me was looking for something a little bit different, a little bit more, perhaps. I, I, uh, I'm not a military brat like you, but I did grow, I'm a corporate brat, and and my father moved us around the world. Um, I was born in New Jersey. Then we moved to Miami, Florida. And from there, for two years in Miami, we moved to Tokyo, Japan. Uh, and then after two years in Japan, almost eight years in Hong Kong. Wow. And, uh, and then back to New Jersey. Uh, so I knew there was a bigger world out there. 
And um, something about that experience, I think, in my growing up years, <clears throat> attracted me to to the life of a, a military chaplain. So in 2000, uh, I first in 1999, I got the permission of my archbishop to come into the uh, to the Air Force. And then in 2000, I did just that. So um, quite a culture shock from being a civilian priest. Yeah. To being a military man, a military chaplain, um, and I joined, of course, before 9/11 happened. So I, I was joining what I thought was a peacetime Air Force, uh, and all that changed about 14, 15 months later after I after I came in. So I don't want to give a lot of sob stories or war sure. stories about that, other than to say. You know, 9-11 changed all of our lives, yeah. especially those of us in the military. Um, I deployed right away. I've had four combat deployments um, to Qatar, uh, Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan in, in that order. Um, and along the way, I've um, seen my share of the downside of life and war and military life. And I've also met a lot of great people. Uh, your parents being uh, at the top of that list of uh, uh, just get to meet great patriotic, faithful people all the time. Quick story, uh, <coughs> when I was deployed, <coughs> excuse me, fighting a little bit of a cold here. When I deployed to um, Afghanistan, I got a, uh, I got a message on my computer. Uh, I got a. Uh, it's email. not the big. It's not the which big fella is. <laughs> the divine intervention is I, it? I got, I, got, I got a. I got a message from your father, whom I had not met yet. Yeah. And it, it was very kind. He he didn't know me. He hadn't met me yet either. He just said, "Hey, father, I just want you to know this is." Uh, he was a two star at the time. Uh, this is General Jodis. Uh, when you get back from Afghanistan, I want you to know. Uh, Judy and I will be uh, your parishioners, and uh, we'd like to lecture and be uh, help with the Eucharist, and uh, and we're praying for you. And I just thought wow. I'd never had a leader like that um, reach deep back into um, you know Afghanistan uh, to he had to find out what my name was, what my email was, and 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 just let me know that he was praying for me and he couldn't wait to meet me in person. So. That's the kind of stuff that keeps me going in the military because uh, thankfully, you're, although your dad is unique, he's not alone mm. in, in the kind of uh, selfless service and people who are proud to serve their country, proud of their faith, and wear both of them on their sleeves, if you will. Yeah. Not being then, obnoxious. Then he sees New Jersey on the resume yeah. and he's like, oh, I got to get with this guy. Yeah, yeah. When did you... When did you know? When were you called to become a priest? You're ordained in 1992, so you've got some time there between that and then going yeah. into the military service. And before we talk about this incredible story, Simon, I am interested to know just what the life of an Air Force chaplain is like. But what, was there a moment, right, where James Hamill is, is okay, God, let's go do this? I mean, how's that <laughs> happen for you? Well, I, I, I would say it was kind of, um, in some ways, a process of elimination as I was a kid growing up, beginning to think about what do I want to do? Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I, I started to say, well, I don't want to do this. Okay. I don't want to do that. Um, uh, I wasn't qualified to do a lot of things. Uh, intellectually, I would say, uh, the focus that it takes in school to be good in chemistry, like say to be a doctor, uh, it's just some of these things are just beyond me. Some of these things just didn't interest me. Um, and at the same time, you know, growing up as a Catholic family that practiced the faith regularly, we were always friendly with our local parish priest. Sure. So we sure. were not strangers at our house. We would uh, uh, from time to time have them over for dinner. And I just was blessed and lucky mm. even overseas living in Hong Kong to have such good um role models in parish priests and missionaries in Hong Kong. And, and just, and I thought, could I do that? 
that looks interesting. That looks uh, fulfilling. Of course, fulfilling, I yeah. it's not just about it's not just about what seems cool. You have to put a lot of prayer into it as well, because a lot of things are cool, but they're not right for you. Right. So um, so with prayer and discernment, um, slowly, by the time I was getting to my late uh, like senior year of high school, I was like, well, I, you know, the idea of becoming a priest was still not the idea. The reality of becoming a priest was still years away. But I said, let, let me think about it. Let me try it. So I went into an undergraduate seminary program at Seton Hall. And um, I did my four years undergraduate at Seton Hall. And I followed on uh, right away to the graduate seminary, also at Seton Hall. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, next thing I know, boom, eight years have gone by and I'm ordained. And I'm like, whoa, whoa what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? Slow down. Right. <laughs> you want to pump the brakes a little bit, but at that point, uh, you also don't want to pump the brakes. Sure. You want to get Let's pumping. Go. And you, yeah. Uh, so, so I will say, um, you know, I, for the sake of time, we don't have unlimited time. Um, um, I, I had priestly role models. I had parents who, who, um, who were great witnesses to the faith in their life and in the way they raised us. Um, and um, it hasn't always been uh, easy and it hasn't always been fun, but I believe I am where God wants me to be, mm. including being a military chaplain. Sure. You talked so, about growing up with those faithful parents and role models that display it. It's, you know, one of the greatest blessings of my life is similar situation. However, as a young fifth grade boy, having those kind of parents that invite the nuns from the Catholic school over to dinner, boy, you know, the little conflict of interest there with Sister Mary Ruth's. I can see the beads of sweat starting on you right now. Like ma, ma, I mean, Sister Mary Ruth is busting my butt enough as it is at school. She's coming into the house now. Like, give me a break. Keep the torture going. <laughs> oh man. I love Sister Mary Ruth. She was from Pittsburgh, man. She was my fourth grade teacher. She was tough, man. Wow. She was tough. Good, she was good. good. Yeah, man, you remember that stuff, and that's great. Okay, last one. Life as an Air Force chaplain. I mean, you're in. You you go into the military. Wow, right yeah. left of nine eleven. Then the world on that Tuesday morning changes forever, and forever. you are thrust into what would be very different assignments than had you been. If that wouldn't have happened, I assume. So Absolutely. life as an Air Force chaplain. What's that like? Well, it's um, <clears throat> it's like. <laughs> It's like being in the military. Well, it is in the, I am in the military. So right. it's, um, <clears throat> you know, this well, officer training, we had to do that. There's a lot yeah. of yelling. But well, you go through seminary, then you go through officer training school. Like, yeah, you, just, yeah, you just love yeah. going through programs, huh? There's a lot to go through. Um, of course, in the military, chaplains are non combatants. So, um, I, I, I like to tell people, and I know you have a lot of military folks who yeah. are, uh, look at uh, and listen to your podcast and watch your videos and who uh, support your uh, picking up the six um, program. Um, uh, they send us into war, only they don't give us a gun, yeah. chaplain, yeah. right? So we do have people that, that are uh, armed and who are combatants that, that accompany us to war but um <clears throat> uh, and again but they don't they also don't have us in a foxhole uh shooting at the enemy you know we're, we uh right. we tend to be tend to be a little bit rear echelon though not always mm -hmm. and i and that's true in, in my case and in many other chaplains cases as well uh we're not out on foot patrols we're not uh generally speaking jumping out of airplanes although some do uh, we're not flying airplanes and dropping bombs on people. We are we are taking care of the warfighter support unit when they come back to That's the right. base. That's right. Uh, when they're in the uh, mobile hospitals, when they are um, in between missions, when they're training, 
when they're separated from their families. I was going to say when they're missing their families, when they're facing all the life throws at them, when they need someone to talk to. When they need somebody to talk to, when they, when they've just lost a buddy. Yeah. uh, When they may have just lost a buddy because of something they failed to do. Mm. I'll never, well, I won't get into that story, but, but, but just to say there's so many moral complexities in war and around war. Um, and uh, it is absolutely the right place for a chaplain to be. Um, some people think that, well, what are you doing? You're supposed to represent God. And what are you doing in, in, in such unholy places? And, and that's precisely where we need to be. That's where he needs to be. Yeah, that's yeah. where he needs to be. Uh, I, I don't say this in jest. I mean this with all the sincerity of my heart. They don't send you into those places with munitions and guns, yet Ephesians 6 tells you what you need to go in with. You put on the full armor of God, right? That's As Catholic right. guys, you probably throw a rosary in your pocket too. And if you've got that Absolutely. weapon, you'll hold the mother with you. Yeah. We're good to go. I Believe mean, me, all... I've been downrange. Plenty of non-Catholics throw some rosaries in their pockets too. Because <laughs> no atheists in a foxhole. There's no atheists in a foxhole, Padre. There's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you're right. So, you know, the first few times you live through a rocket attack um the first few times you're i survived my the helicopter i was riding in getting shot at um you i developed some sort of like you you just suppress those fears you have to trust god you say i can't i'm gonna be here for six months i cannot live every day in fear people need me to be strong and if I am showing a lack of faith in God's providence and a lack of faith in God's care for me, how are the warfighters going to feel who are going outside the wire every day mm-hmm. facing the enemy? So um, I, I will admit that those first rocket attack or two scared scared me a lot. Uh, the first time I... Um, climbed into a black hawk and we had to do some uh um you know diversionary tactics and avoid some ground fire uh they were scary but mm. by the end um i, I <laughs> what was that movie i i can't remember uh um was it the joker the Joker, that famous scene, uh, the the actor who played the Joker, mm-hmm. uh, the Australian guy who died. Yeah, Heath years. Ledger. Heath Ledger in the Batman. Heath movie. Ledger. There's right. that famous scene yep. where he's walking away and yeah. this giant explosion. Yeah, he's That's dressed as a nurse. Yeah, he's dre- yeah, sure. At the yeah. end of the day, yeah. you're, things bombs are going off around you, and you're just like, "Well, yeah. if it's my time, it's my time." But I'm yeah. not going to panic about it. So. What a um, tragic story. Incredible actor. He, I mean, boy, immersed himself in that. He was. I, but I will say, when you get home, mm-hmm. that's when you start to realize the real danger you were in. Yeah. So if, if you have folks uh, who, who have been in a lot more danger than I have, um, who've ever experienced um, combat stress reaction uh, or post-traumatic stress reaction, um, it's a real thing. Yeah. And I can tell you, I don't have PTSD, but I sure, I sure did have a reaction hmm. when I came back from combat. Um, and a lot of the stuff that one suppresses in the war zone kind of bubbles up when you get home. Yeah. That's why we've been so fortunate to share stories from folks like Reboot Recovery, Warrior's Heart. Um, just man, all the different group. We've, we've done a lot of conversations, right? Even my friend, Chris O'Toole, who uh, was a, was a mass grave. Uh, his job in the army was to go find those mass graves, right? Recover those things. I mean, that guy carries a lot, carried a lot home with him. Uh, yeah. Incredible, but mission driven, picking up the six, the entire way. All right. So let's, let's talk about this story, right? So let's get into our story here today as we sit on Holy right. Thursday, and then we're going to introduce yep. you to Rob and Dom tomorrow for full disclosure, I've already recorded the conversation with Rob and Dom and Father. I can't wait for you to hear it and for this audience to hear it tomorrow. The bond that these two men now share, having brought that scene to life, yeah. they'll be bonded for life. Uh, yeah. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the genesis of their coming together for that. But but basically, 
we've got four gospels, right? In the Bible, there's four yep. gospels, right? Four disciples that write these books about all the stuff that happens in Jesus's life and his missionality, right? But in only right. three of them is this character of Simon mentioned, right? Mark, right. Matthew, and Luke. John right. doesn't make any mention of it. And we read that very quick sentence, right? And in all three of them, it's basically a sentence. This man was, and I like the word compelled, compelled to carry the cross. In one of those three, it mentions two names. He's the father of Alexander and Rufus. And as far as biblical texts, as far as I know, now we brought a professional in, that's yeah. about all we know. Right? So, so what do we know about this guy? T tell us from what you know, well, the story of the Simon of Cyrene. I think I've been doing some reading because, as you say, uh, as Simon of Cyrene is only mentioned uh, in one sentence in in uh, in the Bible, in the in the Gospels, anyway. What we call the Synoptic Gospels; those are the three that you mentioned: Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, Synoptic meaning they they have a similar look, they have a similar right. perspective, and John is a slightly different. Uh, way of telling the story of jesus as uh, well john so, kind of should be given his relationship and just yes, right i mean just that yes. makes sense right the more you unpack yes. about john and know about him he's the one who stands at the foot of the he's the only one left of the group that's there at the foot of the cross yeah. right after everything goes down he's the one who's with mary right basically becomes mary's son after jesus and and, and is the last gospel written and so had more time right to think about right um, what did this person, Jesus, mean to us? Who was he? Like I was saying uh, uh, before, you know, you can think about what's happening to you in a war zone uh, at the time, but your thoughts aren't very clear because mm -hmm. so much is going on. When you get home, you have time to think about it more and layers of meaning come on. And so John's gospel is also very uh, um, laden with, um, symbolic uh, meaning, but okay. but um, yeah. so Simon, um, yeah, he was compelled by the Romans to help Jesus carry <coughs> his cross, um, and you know our faith. We don't call. He's not Saint Simon of Cyrene. He's not a saint in the church. Right. What else did he do? Uh, he, he Where did he? Wasn't what even, was he doing uh, there? Jewish. Right. He, Cyrene is is in modern day eastern uh, Libya, and but so if he was in Jerusalem, that's that's I looked it up this morning. I didn't happen to know this. Right. But it's 70, 750 miles, basically from Cyrene to Jerusalem. Yeah. So he was a wanderer. He was a traveler. He was in Jerusalem for a reason. Maybe he was a merchant. Maybe he was there on business. He wasn't there to pray. He wasn't praying at the uh, temple. But he's compelled to help Jesus carry his cross. And he wasn't a believer. And yet he did it anyway. And I think there are so many lessons in life um, um, about doing something anyway, even if you don't feel like it. Mm. I know you do a lot of physical activity you do a lot of running hence the name of your group as well um someone who's training for a marathon <clears throat> runs a lot even when they don't feel like it a 19 week program you're not always going to be geared up to go for a that's run. right that's right even something as simple as going to work every day mm -hmm. don't always feel like going to work every day but you do it um you do it because you're supposed to you do it because it's the right thing to do. You do it because you may have mouths to feed. You have people who depend on you. And um, there's, I think that's why Simon is so popular. Um, if you've ever get a chance to go to the Holy Land, have you been? No, have to, though. Yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. have to. So, you can walk the Stations of the Cross in Jerusalem or the the uh, Via Dolorosa, the, the Way of Sorrows. And it's like the Stations of the Cross in church. There's 14 stations, and <laughs> you end up at the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus was buried. And you make your pilgrimage. You can say the rosary. You could do the Stations of the Cross. But at the fifth station, uh, even in Jerusalem, 
is um, the Church of Simon of Cyrene. It's a little chapel, a little Franciscan chapel where you can go in. It's not the Church of St. Simon of Cyrene, right? Uh, the Apostle, just right. the Chapel of Simon of Cyrene. That's got to be pretty rare, right? Pretty rare to have a chapel named after someone who is not a saint, possibly not even a believer. Yeah. Is he mentioned anywhere else other than in those three Gospels? I don't believe so. And we know that his his sons are mentioned in one of Paul's letters as well. Right. And I think that from some of the reading I did, it 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 appears that Simon himself was not a believer, but his sons were. But his sons were, yeah. And and that's why Simon is intentionally mentioned because yeah. the early Christian community uh, would have known who Alexander and Rufus were. Gotcha. And they wanted to connect that th their authenticity as disciples of Christ through their father who helped Jesus carry the cross. Mm. So um, you think about Christian discipleship or, or any kind of discipleship, but uh, so Simon was not a believer or as far as we know. And well, yet at, least, he does at least maybe thing. not until that moment, I wonder. Right, I wonder. He does this thing. You think about, um, just to name one, there are, there are hundreds of charities. Think about Mother Teresa's sisters. They don't ask the people who they're helping, are you Catholic? Uh, uh, they may be non-believers, or they may be, certainly where she started out in Calcutta, uh, they may be Hindus. Mm -hmm. She didn't require sameness of faith for her and her sisters to do a good thing. Um, another thought I had about that. In, in, some, in some strains or, or streams of Christianity, <laughs> faith um, you can tell off, faith has authenticity when it feels right. If you feel highly emotional about your prayer, if you feel close to God, if you feel forgiven, if you feel saved, that's a sign of its authenticity. And then there's a strain in Eastern spirituality, Eastern Christian spirituality, Orthodox Church and Eastern Catholicism, where it's not in the feeling of the thing. It's in the doing of the thing. So even if you don't feel like going to Mass, you went to Mass. You get the benefits of being at Mass, even if it didn't lift your spirit, mm -hmm. even if you didn't walk out of church on a high. Uh, same thing as feeding the poor, uh, helping somebody carry their cross, even if you didn't want to do it. The fact that you did it is where the grace lies. You know, it's incredible when you think about sort of the moment. So he, he's kind of a somewhat nameless character. He's sort of there by happenstance. He's not seeking Jesus out. He's not been no. following this man around for the last three years. He's no disciple. He's kind of just there. And, and quite frankly, most seem to believe he probably wanted nothing to do with this. It's not right. like he was like, I'll do it, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. let me help this man. He didn't man. volunteer. No, compelled. They compelled him, which means they had to convince him to do it, right? Um, so I think about a few things. I think about that, right? And then I just think about the incredible meaning of it and how obviously the creator orchestrates all of this to happen for a reason. Let me take my son in this terrible moment and let me teach an amazing story in that even when you're not expected, even when you might not be the character who we would expect to have to help someone in need, you, listener, are Simon. What moment is waiting for you? Because this guy was just sort of standing around and he gets thrust into something and he has to physically represent a big meaning, which is just be willing to say yes, I guess, when called upon to do something. What was the who I forget who said it, but the, 
uh, 90% of life is showing up. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's probably been a sounds like some Vince Lombardi might. <laughs> sounds like it, it may have. It may have. He been. might have. One been. of your one of your followers will will write yeah. in the comment section uh, the correct answer to that quote. But yeah, it's just being there. I think about how many uh, people throughout history, at, at least since the advent of the uh, automobile, have helped. Uh, uh, a woman get to the hospital to give birth to a baby. Mm. That wasn't their intention when they woke up that right. morning right? or flagged down by, or an ambulance or, you know, that's not what they were planning to do that day. And yet what they did helped bring forth life. Yeah. Um, because they were there. Because they, they were didn't there. say no. They didn't say no. And we all have our own crosses. So now we'll get metaphorical. We yep. all have our own crosses to bear. Jesus physically had to carry that cross up that hill to that final place. Right. But we all have our crosses to bear. But what about those next to us? How can we help our brother or sister carry that, what they have? And this guy didn't even know him yet. He had to, there's just, this doesn't happen on accident. This doesn't happen in the sequence of events that it happens on accident. There, there's incredible meaning in why God was had that happen in that moment, I think. Uh, As Jesus said, even before his crucifixion, unless you pick up your cross daily and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Um, and then has someone in that moment pick it up and and, fought and, and go with him. Do the very thing that he, do that the he very thing. challenged us to do, right. who are his disciples. Right. So I think one of the uh, commentators I read also said in, in Simon picking up the cross for Christ and helping him carry it. Um, it shows, it's a symbolic gesture to show uh, the early believers that uh, Jesus was not just for his own. He was for the Gentiles as well. Even, even the non-believers uh, are now part of the Christian story, the story yeah. of Christ. Yeah. So <clears throat> I want to come back to that. I can't wait for you guys to hear this story from Rob and Dom tomorrow, father as well, because yeah. they're going to tell you how Dom ends up on this movie set, right? Rob's a huge part. Rob's been a part of this film from day one and they're, and they're filming all these scenes and through the live action father, uh, they've got to do uh breaking of the bread, right? They do the last supper. They do, walking on water. They film, I mean, all these different components that are going to make up this movie, but they get to where they've got to film these final crucifixion scenes in the passion. And they're going to tell you the story about how Dom gets thrust into it. But, and I'll just give this as a teaser. He wasn't the original choice. So yeah. there's, there's really, there's meaning in that. They call on him at the last minute to fill yeah. this role. It's incredible how that happens. And then I also think about, cause I want to think of my next question for you is going to be, what happens to Simon after this? So, so it's not like he was eager chomping at the bit to do this. And I can't wait for you guys to hear Dom, a devout Catholic, former Navy seal, yeah. legitimate warrior. Right. Yeah. So think about this former special operator of some of the most elite units, devout Catholic husband and father. We want you to come play Simon. When Jesus falls and he's got to pick up the cross, Dom is ready to sprint up the hill with that thing. Yet he has to act as if he's not. Yeah. And he's got no acting experience. <laughs> and, he, and, and he nails it. So yeah. I can't wait for you guys to hear him talk about that journey. Because think about that, right? Us, right? We would think, please pick me. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait. I'll run that thing up the hill for you. I'll take it the whole way up. Yeah. Imagine yeah. having to, he's got to dial that back. But by the end, they basically have to remove him because now he's connected to yeah. it. And that's what I wonder about Simon, right? So I wonder, we don't know. I wonder if in the yeah. hundred yards, 200 yards, however far he carries it with them, when they're under that thing together, I do wonder what happens in the heart of that man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or maybe I'm making too big a deal of it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like chance encounters in life, you know, I wonder where that person is now. I wonder what ever became of. 
Um, um, uh, someone said, uh, perhaps heaven is finding out all of those wonderful happenstance relationships yeah. that that helped us grow in life. We get to see that. Now we can show and, it to you. Yeah. And say thank you. Uh, and maybe hell is seeing all the times that we were <laughs> not. We, we were the the reason that somebody else stumbled mm. three times on constant repeat and you can't escape. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to dissuade your line of thought, but since, um, um, this is Holy week, um, and for tomorrow's good Friday, uh, it's good for us to picture ourselves as Simon of Cyrene. It's good for us to picture ourselves as Veronica, who wipes the face of Jesus. And, and as, your, as your seal buddy said, I just wanted to sprint up that hill. And I bet he did. But I think especially on Good Friday, we also have to be cognizant of the fact or also see ourselves in the crowd that is yelling, crucify him. Mm. Because that's us too. Mm -hmm. We are Simon. We mm -hmm. are Veronica. We are um, we are the crowd yelling crucify him free Barabbas at times. And, and so that's a somber thought, but it's appropriate for Holy Week to think about that. Uh, the very people the week before that were shouting Hosanna to Jesus uh, all abandoned him and are screaming for his blood. Um, do we think do I think honestly that I couldn't have been in that crowd if I was alive at that time yeah. and was a religious leader of that day, like I yeah. am a religious leader of this day? Yeah, I I wouldn't want to. I'm glad I was born today. Let's put it that way. That that is. I had not thought about that. I'm yeah. I'm a gung ho guy, right? So I'm thinking yeah. about yeah. Let me be Simon and let me help him, and go. But somebody was Pontius Pilate. Somebody, right. somebody, right? All those, you're right, in, the, in that crowd. And I think it's why, maybe it's why when we read the Passion aloud, we, the crowd in the church, have to echo that line. Just thought about that. It, it is. It, it's, a, it's intentional. Um, you know, that, that old spiritual, were you there? Mm -hmm. When they crucified my Lord, uh, yes, we were. Yes, we were. Our spiritual uh, ancestors were there. Our, our, uh, if we could be transported back in time, we were there. Maybe we would be John at the foot of the cross. I'd like to think I would be. Uh, maybe we were like the other disciples who had all scattered. Maybe we were like the angry crowd. Maybe we were, at times, we're like the repentant thief on the cross next to him. Mm. Lord, let me, uh, you know, who rebuked, who rebuked the other uh, thief yeah. for challenging Jesus to get him and us off the cross. If Jesus promised uh, the good thief that this day you will be with me in paradise. So, we have to see ourselves in each of the characters in this week of Holy Week. Um, um, and I remind priests, because we always end up during the Passion reading the, the lines of Christ. Uh, yeah, this is not typecasting. You know, it's appropriate that we read it as we stand in persona Christi mm -hmm. at the altar. But don't think that, that you always get to read the part of Jesus because you're most like him. Right. Sometimes you are. Sometimes you're not. Um, anyway, that's just a thought, but yes, uh, sometimes we are Simon and Cyrene who, who are, who are unwilling conscripts, but who do a great and important thing anyway. And, and, uh, sometimes we are the other disciples who, who weren't even there to help Jesus carry his cross. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we're at the foot of the cross weeping, and that's the that's the uh, that's the 
what happens in life. We, we play all those roles. But I'm grateful that, that your buddies uh, through Pick Up the Six were able to have a profound spiritual experience while acting. Oh, yeah. It, just as I said, like we transport ourselves back to that time. This acting experience transported them spiritually back to that time and in, enlivened in them yeah. something. That, oh, you'll, you'll uh, hear, sure you'll hear them. And I can't wait to hear about it. You'll hear them tomorrow uh, talk about, and because it, it was about a year ago that they filmed it from when we had our conversation for tomorrow, right? So they've got some time removed. And yet they still talk with the passion and love for that moment because it has changed their lives. And these are two very faithful uh, religious men who kind of leveled up, <laughs> to be honest with you. It sounds like they yeah. sort of leveled up and they got to do it together, which is amazing. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that because they're not just characters, right? It's one thing if you take on a fictional character and you say sort of, you know, that you hear actors say that character will be with me. Yeah. In this case, for these two guys, you'll hear their story tomorrow. You'll hear in their voice the way in which they, with gratitude, got to depict that. And I think they both really understand the weight of it. And uh, and I think they're both grateful for it. So you hear them talk about that, which is really neat. And I can't wait. Well, let me ask you a question, Brian, sure. if I may. It's, it's uh, um, have you found yourself, as you've gotten older, um, has your faith meant become to mean more to you than let's say it did. I know you said you were raised by, by wonderful yep. believing yep. parents. And I know that yep. you were, but yep. we each have our own journey. Yep. You find yourself at a point in your life where you're closer to God than you were maybe 20 years ago. We talk about it on tomorrow's show. We actually bring it up because I okay. talked to those. It's funny that you asked, yeah. you know, and I, and I, I think I even specifically cited for the two of them over the last four or five years. Um, and I even texted my dad about this. I And I texted him and I basically just said, thank you. I've met a lot of people who have gone away from their faith and come back. I've met a lot of people who have been re-baptized later in life. And and I'm, I'm so joyful for those people in their journey. But my message to them was kind of like, thank you. I never felt like I left. However, the depth in which my ability to understand and articulate and be actively engaged in that faith. I mean, it, it, it's so yeah. much deeper now. And I credit that to a few things, obviously the intercession of the Holy spirit, number one, um, being around other people specifically in the space I'm in through F3 and this is not an F3 podcast, but we talk about it a lot around other men of faith who are who are accelerating Catholics, Protestants, even J my Jewish friends, right? Even have an iftar dinner with my Islamic friend. Being around more of that, but specifically in the Christian faith, being around more men who articulate it and just taking that in. So so yes, and it's a long way of saying yes and then if you want to get faster, run with faster people. If you want to get stronger, work out with heavier weight. If you want to get deeper in your faith, be around other people mm -hmm. who, who are deepening that. So yes, and by doing things like this, it only helps. And my hope is that, and I'm, I want to say this to our audience, and I rarely just talk to them. Guys, I am so grateful for you taking the time these two days, those of you that are listening to these two episodes and leaning in on this with us. Because... It means so much to me. I know it means a ton to Father Hamill. It means a ton to Rob and Dom for you guys to be a part of it. And our hope is that you just take something from these two days. Whether you're yeah. uh, super religious or not, there is an incredible story in this book of this no-name person who is thrust into an amazing moment um, and with intentionality. So that's a long way of saying yes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. And and you know what and, else has helped too? We have a, we have an eleven year old. We have a seven year old, right? My when, uh, my my eleven year old who in the second grade received first communion. It was like it was like kindling on the fire of our family's faith. So now we're walking through as Catholics. I was going to ask you if, if becoming a parent changed your faith. Of life. Course, well, of course, right? Like I mean, 
the day you get married, I think changes your faith. If you do it the way in which we did, and I, boy, I've been yep. leaning on this because I watched a video this week and this something hit me. Good. When Good. you get married, we got married in a Catholic church and whether you're married in a church, wherever it is, when you say I do, you actually say I die. So that's a pretty big step, right? I, I right. die to you, other person. Now we're joined side by side. Eve comes from Adam's side, not from his head to Lord over him, not from his feet to be below him, from his side to be mm -hmm. at his side, right? She is his equal and fulfills his life. So that's a big moment, right? Then you create life with, God creates life with these two people together. Amazing, right? Amazing to be able to do that. And it's one thing to get someone pregnant. It's another thing to create life, I believe, in the way in which a family construct does it. That's a whole nother conversation for another day, I suppose. But that does. And then, yeah, as my, as our kids are going through these moments, right? Yeah. When our when our now 11-year-old, when she was in the second grade, received Holy Communion, now our first grader in the next year will be doing it. For me, I'm I'm just like, don't just let these moments pass. Don't let these moments pass. Um, so. I just, you know, I, I have I'm to say, rambling, uh, but I'm, I'm just so I, I got, I'm full of joy about it, I guess. Right. Absolutely. I, I will, I, uh, I, I will tell you when I, um, when I am um, doing first Holy communion at a, at a church based chapel or at a church, um, I, I try to play it. What I'm doing. And if, if you're half a student, you figure it out. It looks like I'm talking to the first communicants because <laughs> I'm using simpler words. I'm using child-like concepts, and I'm looking at them. But the homily is really directed at their parents. Sure. And I've had more people like yourself who say, in experiencing my children receiving the sacraments, it meant so much to me. So I'm glad it did, and you're one of my target audiences Good. When, uh, when, well, and, 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 and I've got to remember much of what I sure, say. Sure. I, and, I, I, and I'll tell you this, this is Catholic. We're having a Catholic heavy conversation. That's what's going to happen yeah. when you have a Catholic host and a Catholic priest. My gratitude for my Protestant friends, for my non-Catholic Christian friends that I've surrounded myself with that can in a moment's notice pull out scripture verses that I just, it's not something I'm good. I'm so grateful for that because that only adds in right to my faith bucket. So that right be being able to walk alongside them has been absolutely amazing and so I'm just thankful for all that and then and like whether you know if you're listening and and you've got you know young kids like I do I'm 42 year, almost 42 years old use it as an opportunity right like our legacy is what we leave behind with them. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I I as a military chaplain I have been blessed. I work alongside so many uh, people of all different faiths. And um, uh, my faith has been enriched by my Protestant and Jewish and Muslim brother and sure. sister chaplains that I've uh, been privileged to work with over these yeah. 23 years. The last thing I'll say before we give you a final word before we go, obviously can't wait for you guys to hear from Rob and Dom on tomorrow's show on yeah. Good Friday. I, I will say this, because um, we lean into this on this show as well. You asked about sort of the faith getting deepened and right. My, my uh, progression through it, faith journey. Um, I feel like it has to, I feel like I have to, I feel like men around me have to lean in and be more diligent and faithful because I think the, the, um, the challenges that meet us in today's world have to be combated by strong, faithful, masculine men. Does that mean just strong, faithful, masculine men? Of course not. We need community, right? We need community with our wives, with our friends, with our parishioners, right? We need community with all those people. But I do believe that the challenges that face us, strong, faithful, masculine men must be there to face them as well. And if removed from that, I believe, and you're, you're learning a lot about how deep I'm willing to go. I believe that the devil and those demons prowl the earth looking for the ruin of souls. We say it in the prayer to St. Michael, right? Yeah. Send back to hell the devil and his demons, right? That roam the earth looking for the ruin of souls. I think to combat him, we have to have strong, faithful men willing to step into the breach um, that love their God and their families. And when you do that, then the devil is on the run, man. He's, he hates it. He hates it. So that's, do you, that's do you get to meet reason. some of your uh, people along the way that, that are 
uh, devotees of your podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And then are those experiences good when you talk about? Oh, it's amazing. Like, and we have a lot of people that I personally know that listen, but then we've got a growing audience that I've never met. And so when I get to meet, so I was in South Carolina a few weeks ago, right? We were doing this twenty-two hour workout. Get to hear folks. Man, I love what you're doing. Love what you guys are doing. Or I'll, I'll even every now and then, I'll just get a random email. I got an email. This isn't a, a religious based commentary, but we did an episode about um, some Vietnam veterans. And I got an email uh, from a gentleman who served in the Navy in Vietnam. And he's like, thank you. Uh, thank you for, thank you for showing us love. I was spit on and yelled at in the airport when we came home. I was called a baby killer when we came home. And so I know why God has us doing what we do here. It's why we lean in yeah. so much and we keep going. Yeah. Um, so it's been an incredible, rewarding experience personally, but also yeah. we've got stories to tell. And this world of ours isn't as divided as they want us to believe that it is. And right. there are folks among us who prove that because they go above and beyond through service before self, strength of purpose, and community impact. So we charge The Simon of Sirens of the world. That's right. He's, yeah. he's a picking up the sixth story right there in the Bible. There's, a, a, show me a better one, right? Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what he did in that moment. So that's why we had to tell it. That's why we had to talk about it. Yeah. I've wanted to do it for a few years and, uh, yeah. and we just had to wait our time to where it was right. And Rob and Dom having filmed those incredible scenes uh, for this movie, Eucharistic Miracle um, is going to be amazing. I can't wait for you to see that. Yeah. And you know what? Who better than father James Hamill to come on and tell us a little <laughs> bit about this guy that we don't know much about. But All maybe, right. Well, saying, maybe the message is, we don't know much about him, but we do, because he's all of us. That's right. That's right. He's all of us. He's all of us. Or what we aspire to be. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks for doing this. You bet. Good talking to you, Brian. You too. He's a colonel of the United States Air Force. He's a priest, and he's a dear friend. His name is Father James Hamill. I'm Brian Jodas. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast.